Welcome to part four of The Sacred Vessel. Hi, I'm Matthew van der Giesen. The Sacred Vessel is originally an essay that I wrote back in the 90s. It describes part of the journey that I took in trying to understand the psychological influences that were affecting my um, practice of bodywork, particularly because I was getting a high incidence of referrals from psychologists at the time. There were a lot of people who were very wounded and the wounds were deeper than their body. I tried to listen as carefully as I could to those voices that were coming from the body and experiences of people I worked with and I've been blessed that you will hear the voices of some of those people throughout the writings here as they gave me permission to tell a bit of their story. So with no further ado, let's go into the last section of the sacred vessel, healing the imaginal body. Enjoy. With touch, we not only come up against the physical structure of the body, we also touch the imaginal body. This is the experiential body we hold within us, an image of self-identity. An imaginal relationship with the body arises naturally out of the ground of our developing feeling for the body. When we lose contact with our body, our imaginal language will trace the loss of consciousness of soul that occurs as our bodies are driven into the world of matter. Our imagination becomes distorted. We lose the humanity that enlivens the body, that allows us to call it our own. Imaginally, we may lose parts of our bodies to the animal world. They are felt to be arms like chicken wings or a belly like a toad's. We have no legs but a tail like a mermaid. And others may lose even an animal sense and feel their legs to be like chalk or iron or wood. And finally, we may lose imagination of the body to darkness. Whole sections from crotch to knee or below the neck are filled only with a void. The awakening of imaginal life within the body corresponds to something the alchemists called the imaginatio, we have formed the body into a strong alchemical vessel. We have cooked and sweated over it in the negredo, and now its essence, the soul imprisoned in nature, arises. We awaken to an awareness of the imaginal body. The awakening of imaginal awareness in the body signifies an integration of the relationship between body and mind. For some, as with Janet's membrane, the image with its roots in chaotic sensitivity may express the sensory experience and felt response of the boundary, creating an image of the defending membrane. And for others, like Andrew, it awakened the sleeping image of a part of the self lost long ago. In one session, as Andrew moved into his body with more feeling, a twist arose. And he felt it as the expression of his demon rage, the shadow manifestation of his denied life force. As a child, he told me, I had felt like a fawn lying vulnerable in the tall grass, protected only by staying as still as possible. 
He could not defend himself. He was not able to nurture the embryo of his power and strength. And so it was pushed down into the shadow world of his unconscious. He needed to feel the energy of that denied part of himself, to feel fully the demon self in its twisted expression before his face could actually change. And by allowing his demon to meet with the reality of the world, receiving it in his body, its energy started to change. He felt an integration of his demon's truth as his body carried him into present feelings and out of the shadows of his fantasy world. His awakening self-empowerment grounded itself in his body. I can say no, he said. I have me. The quickening of imaginal language not only helps enliven our relationship with the body, it also helps client and practitioner guide the process of the body work. Imagination dictates the form that touch takes. Touch becomes more responsive, more specifically appropriate to our need if we ask what touch is required for the legs of a little girl or an arm that is tired from holding a shield. The practitioner learns to develop an imaginally guided touch responsive to the needs of the client's imaginal being. That touch is too soft, said one woman. She imagines it to be the seductive touch of her childhood abuser. The image allows her to make sense of her body response. It will also guide her in imagining a touch more appropriate to her need. As we awaken to an imaginal awareness of our bodies, we learn to work with our dreams through the body. In ancient Greece, this process was at the core of the cult of Asclepius, the origins of our Western culture of healing. In those times, when all physical forms of healing had failed, the afflicted would go to a shrine of Asclepius, there to be prepared by the priests to enter a chamber or abaton, to await a healing dream or vision from the god. When the successful supplicant arose, the priests would hear the dream and interpret it not, Jungian therapist John Sanford tells us, to translate its meaning, but rather only to ascertain if it was indeed a numinous or powerful dream, one sent directly from the god. It was the dream itself that by its action healed. The idea of experiencing the healing dream has mostly been lost to this intellectual time of ours. And yet Jung, who spent his life working with dreams, says repeatedly that first and foremost, we must experience the dream. We must allow it to impact our whole being, not just hold it at arm's length to be dissected with our minds. In bodywork, deepening means we breathe with the image, feeling its moods and tensions, allowing ourselves to be pulled into it, to engage with its figures within our bodies, and to take its meaning physically into our lives. We learn the wisdom of the healing dreams of Asclepius as we take dream images in at a body level, receiving and holding them within our vessel. We allow them to work on us, carrying their feeling within us. Contained, they become an incubus of inner life that nurtures us, countering the outer pole of the world as we move through our day. Deborah felt her life was falling apart. 
Her marriage had collapsed. Her husband was suing her for divorce. She had no money, no lawyer, no sense of support or place of refuge in her world. She was terrified and she felt she couldn't move forward. She was totally stuck. In a bodywork session, she remembered a forgotten dream. A dog she called the Black Bitch was showing her a pit of nuclear waste. The dream underlined all her fears of the invisible dangers she could not protect herself against. It placed her exactly where she was, and she got the reality of it in her body. The next day she dreamt again, a dream that named itself the Guarding of the Shaman. And in the dream she looks down on a funeral carriage, and there's a woman lying beside a supposedly dead man, and she pulls aside the covers to reveal his legs and casts. His name is perhaps Russell or Jock. And as she lay on the bodywork table, she breathed into the dream image, and she took the dream into her body, and the dream image began to move. Now she was in the body of the shaman. She can hear the woman ministering and chanting as the carriage was pulled along. She feels the weight of the casts on her legs as I put a pillow over them. She is wholly there. She feels a strong need to give herself over to the process. I felt wholly committed to allowing the journey to proceed, she said. And then the carriage started to move into a tunnel so dark it's bright. Somewhere at the end of the tunnel there might be a bright sunlit field of daisies. But that does not matter now. She has given herself to the journey into the darkness. And then the scene changed, and she is standing, looking out over the sea, with the wind in her hair, and she feels as if she is pregnant, with the earth in her belly, the earth under her feet. She feels a bitter sweetness of love as she regards the woman of the carriage. That morning, before her appointment, the dream had already started to move into her body. She wrote, As I woke up, I felt like I was in a little cocoon of blankets, and I noticed that I felt different, and I tried to name the feeling. I felt secure. After all those times of feeling floaty, lost, ungrounded, I finally felt secure. Even as I am writing now, I still feel secure, not in control, but secure. I feel in my belly and in the soles of my feet, secure. I like that. I hope it lasts. Isn't it interesting that the bottom of the feet are called souls, the place where our bodies come in contact with the earth? I like this feeling. I deserve this feeling. Just at the moment, I feel absolute joy. This was the beginning of change in Deborah's life. Gradually, she felt able to move forward and to let her life move. She could give herself over with her whole being and let herself be carried through the dark passage, through the process of regenerative change. First I changed, and then the world started moving again, she said. The notion of surrender is so important. No longer frozen, she could pick up the threads of her story again. There was a resonance between life within and without, and she found herself singing a song of praise as she walked along. It was Easter. This alchemical task, 
The redemption of soul from the undifferentiated chaos of our own beings takes on the form of a sacred task. I do not mean to romanticize here, but only to speak for the experience of those who have chosen to work with me. By sitting like the alchemists of old over the formation of our sacred vessel, tending its creation as a container for the essence of our being, we begin to feel the scattered energies of our inner life take form, to organize around a center that alchemists called the lapis and that Jung called the self. As we learn to own and relate to the instinctual life force within, we begin to hear what many I work with refer to as their own story emerging. Our imagination and sensory life bring us information from the microcosm within and the great world beyond. Our feeling function guides each footstep when we move forward, leads us through each quiet moment of introspection. And we start to move less as a marionette, pulled by the strings of old stories and expectations, but instead respond to a feel of rightness that resonates from within our own being. Through healing our ego's ability to contain the world within, a shifting of power comes to realization. The process we started with the first listening to the body experience matures with the realization that the true source of knowledge and direction is no longer the world of the intellectual mind, but has moved inward. Taking on the full realization of that truth often feels like a crucifixion for ego consciousness. Giving over at any time before would have felt too much like the memory of giving way before the penetration of our being by the invasive forces of our formative wounds. But now we learn to tell the difference between letting go of intellectual control and giving up ourself. We surrender not to the outer world, but to the center, knowing we have the strength and resiliency to respond. As Marie-Louise von Franz described it, the experience of the self brings a feeling of standing on solid ground inside oneself, on a patch of inner eternity which even physical death cannot touch. It is the image of wholeness within ourselves, the template that guides us, the archetype of innermost being. Consciousness, while no longer in the center, as the guide in life, takes up a valued position as the protector, the container of the forces of life. It is the keeper of the gate, the circumference that contains the center, it is the guardian of the soul within. When we learn to listen to that inner voice, then we, like the original peoples of the earth, can begin to hear once again the dream that dreams us and to feel our feet step by step on the firmity of our own path. We are just ourselves, adding our voice to the unfolding story of humanity. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to hear more from these podcasts, you can go to my podcast show and listen to all the archived episodes. Uh, you can find that at your favorite podcast broadcaster or by going to my website at somaticsinstitute.com, uh, S-O-M-A-T-I-C-S institute.com. 
Um, and you'll find all the different writings and podcasts there, as well as access to the Embodiment Project, where, from which a lot of uh, these ideas are being worked and helping people to take them into practical application in everyday life. Until next time.